As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. You are listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath, brought to you by Premier. I'm Ruth Jackson, and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. On today's episode, we will be looking at what Lewis says about living in hope in mere Christianity. Alistair McGrath, welcome back to the final episode of the second series of this C.S. Lewis podcast. And uh, we've been unpacking some of the ideas in mere Christianity. And again, I feel like we need to do a whole other series on this because there's so much to be said in this wonderful, wonderful book. But we're going to be focusing particularly on the idea of living in hope. And we did talk a little bit about hope in the previous series, but there's so much to be said that it's definitely worth another episode. So would you just summarise a little bit about what C.S. Lewis says about hope, specifically in mere Christianity here? Well, Lewis has a, a chapter on hope um, in mere Christianity, which he, he really begins to talk through why this is so important for believers. And obviously he has to try and draw distinction between faith and hope and love, which he does. And he also has to ask what the object of hope is. In other words, it's not just a sort of feeling like optimism. And in fact, a very helpful way of understanding Lewis and hope is to ask how Lewis might distinguish hope from optimism, because optimism is saying, hey, everything's going to be great. And in one sense, that's hopeful. But actually, in another sense, it's not. Because what Lewis is saying to us is that there is a real ground for this thing we call hope. It's about recognizing that we do not simply journey through life. It's about that we journey through life on our way to somewhere else. It's all about, in effect, journeying in hope in the sense that we are going to a place where there is a person, which actually is what life is all about. And so Lewis, in effect, uh, is trying to get across the idea that the Christian faith is like a journey. It's a journey through suffering, through uncertainty, and through good times, through bad times. But we are on our way to meet the God who we know and love. And that is something that inspires us and keeps us going. And that really is what hope, in that rich sense of the word, is all about. 
Now, does Lewis think that Christians are unique in feeling that there's something more to this world? Or is that something that we all have a kind of inherent feeling about? I think Lewis feels that many people do believe or want to believe that there is some point to the world. That actually, we're not just um, traveling through the world. We're actually journeying towards something. Um, but I think Lewis is really saying that Christianity is able to articulate and defend this in a particularly helpful and convincing way. Because if you think about it, in everyday English, the word hope can actually be quite weak. I hope it won't rain tomorrow. You know, I, I hope I'll get over my, my cold very soon, that sort of thing. And very often that means, well, it'd be very nice if this did happen, but it probably won't. You know, So it, it's quite a weak <laughs> word. But Lewis wants to try and get across the idea that for Christians, the word hope is strong. It's actually something you can base something on. It's about sure and confident expectation. It's more than just an aspiration. It's a conviction that this is something which you can, in effect, um, rely on as you journey through life. Do you think there's a sense in which this sort of inherent feeling of hope might also actually point to a proof for God if we weren't a Christian. So there's that phrase, isn't there? If I find in myself a desire for which nothing in this world can satisfy, the conclusion I come to is that I was made for another world. So do you think there's a sense in which actually the hope inside of us points to the fact that there may be something to hope in? I think I think, I think that's right. I think Lewis um, talks about this in quite a some detail. You know, he, he's saying we, we very often do have this sense that um, we have these deep longings and um, they're, not, they're not actually satisfied in this life. So we hope they'll be satisfied in the future. And he, in effect, gives three possible ways of thinking about this. One, of course, being, you know, you know there's nothing there to hope for. The other, of course, is, well, you know, we haven't found it. We just keep looking for it. But the other, of course, is, that, as you say, the idea that we are made for another world. And actually, Lewis developed this in a very interesting way in his first book, The Pilgrim's Regress, which um, I have to say is hardly ever read these days. The style's a bit clunky, but in that book, we have the idea of being drawn to a very strange place, an island, and that, um, in effect, we are drawn to this. And as we, as we are drawn to it, we realize that everything else in which we might have hoped is a vain hope. It's not, it's not real. That in fact is something that um, is a lie, a deception. It's a false hope. And so really Lewis is very, very clear. We need to be able to work out what is a real hope and what is a false hope. And obviously C.S. Lewis is encouraging us to look forward to the future hope, the hope in eternity. But how does that impact what we do in this world? Because he's not saying we focus only on heaven and therefore forget about earth, is he? No, he's not. And I think that Lewis in this chapter goes out of his way to say Christians do hope in heaven, but that does not mean they are world denying or they disengage from this world. Uh, and in fact, he makes the point that actually some of the people who cared most for this world actually were nourished and informed by the vision of heaven. So it's a very important point for Lewis. What he's getting at is actually that um, the vision of heaven is transformative. Um, I, I mean, I have many friends who work in the medical profession and um, very often they will say to me, look, um, I have this vision of a heaven in which there'll be no more pain or suffering. And I can't help but feel that part of my calling as a Christian 
is to try and make this world a bit more like heaven. So I'm therefore engaged in medical work because I think that is a way in which I can try and do something to make this world a better place. But it's not saying, hey, uh, I'm just doing this because it's a good thing to do, though they are saying that in part. They're saying this is the way things ought to be. The very strong moral sense of this, that, that heaven, the Christian hope is all about this is what things ought to be like and what they will be like. Why not try and do something about this right now? So actually you can see how empowering and um, relevant to the present day that really is. And he says, doesn't he, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in, uh, but aim at earth and you'll get neither. That does feel, as you say, super relevant at the moment, particularly uh, at the time of recording. We're still in lockdown because of the coronavirus. We're still in lockdown. I've been talking to people who um, are actually beginning to wonder about what's going to happen when we're stopped being locked down because they're saying well we can get back back to life as normal but um well what's the point of that you know you know it's, it doesn't really excite me very much and, and they have no hope and also one of the things that really struck me about the covid crisis is how how important faith has been to so many people to keep them going and keep them growing during this very dark and difficult period so i think you know i, I one of the things that it, one an historical experiment I'd love to have been able to do is if C.S. Lewis had lived through COVID, what would he have said? What would he have written? I think there's some clues in his writings, but certainly I think there's a lot that could be said. What, what do you think he would have said, Alistair, if I had to push you? Well, you can push me away. I, I personally think <laughs> that, in effect, it, it, it's all about um, being able to discern something at the end, which is not simply a negative thing, meaning the end of this irritating period, but actually a very strong sense that uh, we are going somewhere. Actually, um, uh, you know, that life is not just you know dodging bullets or trying to get around the latest crisis, but actually it's about growing as people, becoming better people, coming to know God better, and finally going to be with God. And actually, for many people who've brushed with death during this time, that's a really important point. Um, COVID has really exposed our mortality, our, our frailty. And I think that many people have found that a very difficult thought. But if you're a Christian, of course, that's a thought you're very comfortable with because even though we're frail and mortal, we have hope. And that's a really important point. Obviously, when C.S. Lewis is talking about hope, he talks about it a lot in the context of suffering, as, as we've just been doing. But in book four of Mere Christianity, he talks also about hope in the sense of there's, there's hope for us, even though we're sinful. Would you say just a little bit about what that looks like, how we live a hopeful life um, on earth, even though we're not perfect, which is what we've been called to be. Well, Lewis is, is here making the point that um, recognition that we are sinful is a recognition we have to accept. And it can take us in several directions. It can lead us to become incredibly self-absorbed. Oh, I am, I'm a person of sin. I can't do anything. What's the point in trying to do anything? And it can very often lead to withdrawal, to inactivity, to a general sense of, um, you know, not being willing to do anything. And what Lewis is trying to do, I think, is navigate a way between two extremes. One is to become so 
preoccupied with sin that simply overwhelms us, and the other is treating it as something very, very light and unimportant, which is one of the concerns he deals with right at the beginning of mere Christianity. And what Lewis is saying is, look, be realistic and be hopeful at the same time. In other words, recognize there's a real problem here, but God knows that, and God's done something about it. And yes, we are sinful. Yes, we are frail. Yes, we are mortal. Yes, yes, yes. But God knows that, and God has done something in Christ, which means we can, in effect, deal with this, and we mustn't let it get us down. It's one thing having this hope within us, I guess, in some sense, it's a personal hope about what's going on. But how do we share this hope with those around us? Because that would have also been the context within which Lewis was writing. He'd have been writing, as we've already said, in in a war-torn culture where there would have been a lot of people who were actually devoid of hope. So how would he have shared that hope and how would he encourage us to do the same? I think that um, Lewis would have been aware that during the Second World War, there were two really extremes. There were those who really just gave up hope completely and those who had such naive hopes about a post-war world that when, when things went the way they did, they were utterly disillusioned. And what Lewis is saying is, look, let's be realistic. We are sinful human beings. We, we constantly mess up. And that, that applies, I'm afraid, to everything. But... We can somehow find our way through this. Things are not going to get better. We must try and move away from this um, this idea that history is always getting better. You know, it, it's not really. It, it just zigzags around. But nevertheless, we can live hopefully because we are not living alone or in our own strength. I think that's a very important point, which resonates very strongly with some of the things that Lewis says at the beginning and at the end of mere Christianity. I think what, what we need to say is that... Um, you know, without hope, we simply we're going to we're going to perish. We, we need hope to flourish. And what Christianity offers us is a realistic hope. It's not based in a faith in human nature. It's based in a realistic assessment of human nature and a belief in a God who is going to be with us and journey with us as we travel through life and see us through to the end. And those themes Lewis expresses very, very well, particularly in the last of the Chronicles of Narnia, which, of course, is the last battle. And what do you think that looks like practically? Because I suppose it's one thing to have that hope in and of yourself. But what does that look like? What's the external manifestation of that hope, do you think, would Lewis say? Oh, that, that's a very good question. I think that Lewis would point to the importance of worship as, a, I think, a, a way of sustaining that hope. It, it actually um, brings home to you, here is a God who is worthy of worship who inspires hope. I think that's very important. I think one thing that Lewis would encourage us to do is to think how we might be able to articulate this to other people. He was very, very good at putting into words difficult ideas. Now, one of the things I often struggle with is how I would explain to my non-Christian friends what it means to be a person of hope in the Christian sense of the word, partly because for many people the word hopeful means optimistic, and of course that's not the same. Um, Optimistic is things are going to get better. Hopeful is, or at least hope in the Christian sense of the word is, well things may not get better at all, they may even get worse, but I can cope with this, I can find my way through it, I can become a better person, and one day I will be with God, and I can make a difference to this world as I journey through it. And that seems to me to be a much more realistic and productive way of looking at things. 
In many ways, this is related to what you've just said, but C.S. Lewis would have been living counterculturally among the non-Christians that he worked with, that he was friends with. Um, and that feels even more pertinent now in a post-Christian culture. So how do we live counterculturally as people of hope? I think that, that is a really interesting question because certainly you're right. I mean, even in Lewis's day, people were getting quite cynical about the idea of hope. They would say every time we've been hopeful, those hopes have been dashed. And I think that many would say that um, our hope is a false hope, that we're being something is being dangled in front of us. You know, if you do this or if you believe this, everything is going to be better. And I think one thing that Lewis is inviting us to think about is, um, you know, why talking about Christianity bringing hope is not about false dawn. What is real about this? What difference does it make? And I think there are two ways we can talk about this. We can talk about, obviously, in terms of how we think about um, early Christians, you know, who who saw Christ die and um, obviously were wondering what happened. The world seemed to be shattered. Then the resurrection changed everything. And we begin to realize that we can be transformed like that. But I think also it means we have to think about how we would try and explain to our non-Christian friends the difference that this makes to us. In other words, if I were to try and explain to my non-Christian friends why Christianity makes me a hopeful person and the difference that makes, what am I going to actually say? And Lewis gives me some hints and answer there. But I think that um, the world has moved on. And perhaps the examples I would give uh, might not be the same as the examples Lewis would give. You mentioned there that we can be transformed. And Lewis talks quite a lot about that in book four of Mere Christianity. But how does he think that happens? How are we transformed? Well, his core answer really is um, Christ within us. Again, this distinction between um, biological life and spiritual life. That in effect, there is a there is something different about the Christian, which is not simply an enhanced quality of life, but a different basis for life, a different um, intrinsic foundation for life. And I think that that's that's a very important point because one of the things that I think Lewis talks about, which is really relevant here, is the analogy we mentioned earlier of thinking of if you like, a sculptor's studio full of statues, which are going to become living people. That's the kind of difference that Christianity makes. And Lewis is saying that that is all grounded in the death and resurrection of Christ. And I guess the question that we need to think about is how we would explain that people who, who don't really understand Christianity or who have moved away from it, because I think each of us needs to try and think of how we could describe the difference that our faith makes to us in terms of hope, but also in terms of this idea of not being a statue, but being a living person. Now, to me, that's a very interesting challenge. And certainly Lewis, Lewis is very good for raising challenges. And that's certainly one of the challenges I think he raises for us here. Um, talking about challenging things, one of the things that Lewis talks about in context of transformation is surrender and uh, sort of sacrificing our lives. Would you say just a little bit about that? Because I suppose in so many ways that feels the opposite of hope, doesn't it? We want to hold on to our lives, hold on to that hope. But Lewis is saying that actually we we need to let go of it we need to surrender our lives i think lewis is simply saying if you if you go along with everything i've been saying 
then you can see that what Christianity is doing is offering you a quality of life, spiritual life, which transcends biological life. And we have the hope of something that's even better yet to come. And so if you contrast spiritual life and biological life, then the life of the New Jerusalem is better still. So actually what Lewis is really saying is that the quality of the Christian hope is such that we can let go of this life because there is something better that's yet to come. But I think Lewis is, is not inviting us all to simply, you know, give up. You know, he's <laughs> saying, look, you, you keep going, but you see things in this perspective. I think that's a very important point. We're seeing life in a way that makes us realize that this life, perhaps, in the greater scheme of things, is not the be-all and end-all. There is something better. And that is something we can look forward to. But in the meantime, there's lots we need to do. I mean, Lewis is very, very clear. You know, we are, we are inspired to make this world a better place and make ourselves better people. Um, but nevertheless, we need to get on with this, knowing that something still better lies ahead. So in some senses, the sacrifice now is worth it. Well, Lewis would say that. And Lewis, you know, is, is very much alert to the language of the New Testament, which is that, in effect, you have to die to self. The old Adam gives way to something else. And his point is that sometimes it's rather difficult for us to imagine what that new life will look like. But we can be reassured, A, it's there, and B, it's better. Hope feels like such a pertinent topic, particularly in the times that we are in right now. So if we wanted to find out a little bit more about what C.S. Lewis thinks on hope and sort of living with this hope, where should we go? Well, I think reading that chapter in Mere Christianity is actually a very good way of doing that. But I also mentioned, of course, um, the final um, book in the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last battle and particularly right in the final chapter you find a very powerful affirmation of hope um, and i think that that's one that we could perhaps take away that actually this world is but a shadow of something much greater that we're about to enter into and it's a very powerful illustration and one of course that lewis um, finds in the new testament but i think what the key thing that really lewis is saying is that um Great though this world is, there is something better. And we can hold on to that hope as we journey through it. We are at the end of our final podcast of the second series. Um, but before you go, Alistair, can I trouble you just to summarise some of the thoughts in this wonderful book, Mere Christianity, perhaps remind us again of what some of your favourite bits are and inspire us to go and reread it again. Well, let, let's begin at the beginning. I think Lewis's opening um, gambit, his analogy, his way of introducing the topic brings out very, very clearly the idea that actually, as human beings, we have these great and wonderful thoughts about what is good and what, what we ought to do, but we can't actually do them. So if we have a, a religious leader who is merely a teacher or a moral example, it's not going to be that much. We need more than that. So Lewis, in effect, is unfolding the dilemma of human nature. We need transformation. We need renewal. We need empowerment. And then begins to explain how Christ is able to do this. 
Um, the analogy of the statues becoming people or the tin soldiers is very, very helpful here. And then he begins to articulate the glorious vision of God that lies behind this. If Christ is able to do this, well, who must God be? Well, he's Trinitarian. And here's how the doctrine of the Trinity really helps us to understand this. And of course, it helps us to behave and it helps us to hope. And for me, that is probably the best thing to take away. For Lewis, Christianity is a faith of hope. It's not just knowing there's a God there. It's about the hope that one day we'll be with that God, who we know partly now, but will know in full when we finally see him. And I just think Lewis articulates this beautifully. And uh, he inspires me. I'm sure he's going to inspire other people who read this remarkable book and go away feeling, I understand Christianity, but more than that, I think I've captured something of its vision and also something of Lewis's vision as well. Alistair, thank you so much. I just want to go and read everything that C.S. Lewis has ever written. But thank you so much for being so generous with your time. It's been wonderful being with you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with Professor Alistair McGrath, brought to you by Premier. I'm Ruth Jackson, and over this second series, Alistair and I will be looking at some of the key themes and ideas in Lewis's seminal book, Mere Christianity. You can find out more about this series, as well as C.S. Lewis and Professor Alistair McGrath, by heading to cslewispodcast.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. Next week, we will be broadcasting a special edition of the C.S. Lewis podcast. <laughs>